34. It says, why, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. You were born a total sinner, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. Praise God, you may be seated. I'm going to try to deal with the topic this morning, true worship. If you look at the verses I just read, he says that God does not listen to sinners, but to those who worship him, he hears. Another translation may not have who worship him, but may have godly or devout, highlighting here that those who God listens to are those who are listening to him. We are familiar with, says, the prayer of the righteous availeth much. And the reason why, because God hears the righteous. The righteous can stand in the counsel of God, but not so the wicked. They're like shad blown by the wind. Go check out Psalm 1. It's right there. That the righteous cannot stand in front. I'm sorry, the righteous can stand before God, but the wicked cannot stand before him. But before I get to that part, I want us to look at this text, that this text talks about a man who is born blind. It seems to me in this text that the man that is born blind is the center of this chapter, but he is not the focus of this chapter. What is the focus of this chapter is the symbolism of who has sight and who is truly blind. On one hand, there's a man who was born blind but now has sight because of Jesus and comes to know Jesus and worships him. The other hand, we have those who claim to see but do not see Jesus, nor do they know Jesus, and therefore by Jesus are declared to be blind. Do you see how Jesus declared one to see, one to unable to see one he makes he gives sight the other one he declares to them that you're blind and you cannot see it is hard to worship what you do not see and definitely what you do not believe we had a blind man who could who could see clearly the work of the lord not having physical sight but spiritual insight we have the Pharisees who claim to see and but do not know and, and, and do not know God and therefore they do not know how they should worship God. To give God true worship is for you to know Jesus for who he is. Clearly in this text they pointed out earlier that anyone who confessed Jesus as the Messiah or as the Christ, they will kick them out. <laughs> Can I help somebody out that I'd rather be kicked out than kept in? In this process, they did not know Jesus, so therefore they did not know how to worship him. But when Jesus did find that young man and he, and he found out who he was, it says he worshipped him. When looking at this text, you can see religious leaders teaming up on a young man who now sees clearly what, what they cannot see because they are blinded 
and they are seeing this healing, and they're seeing this healing as, as something that should not be done because why? It happened on the Sabbath. They were distracted by small, insignificant things. Their blindness and stomach leads them to kicking the young men out instead of worshiping and praising God for what just has happened. This young man would rather be put out and leave bad company and join good company. We see in the text that Jesus heard they threw him out and Jesus found him. Aren't you glad Jesus can find us? And, 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 and when you look at this, what I like about this story telling me that when they kicked him out, when they threw him out, Jesus heard. We can worship God because he knows all about our pains, our struggles, our troubles. And he will be there for them as he will be there for our trials. That's why we can worship him. So therefore, Jesus comes to the man to further reveal to him the truth. This truth that he revealed to him that I am he. I am the Messiah. I am the one you are looking for. And he worshiped him. But before we get further elaborate on this truth of worshiping, let's look at some of the obstacles. That stop them from worshiping God. One obstacle that helps, that, I'm sorry, one obstacle that hinders people from worshiping God is that they are ritualistic. It's never been done before. We have always done it like this, we say, or this is the only way, therefore it is the right way. Looking at what has been done before, this man is born blind, therefore he's marked by past tradition that someone must have sinned, either him or his parents, to put him in this terrible condition. This is the ritual, the situation that has been passed down. They're looking at, well, it must be this way because it's always been this way. But the past teaches that his parents are in sins because they were suffering, but yet that's not what Jesus is saying. He says this is not the case for him. He says, this man's condition was not due to sin, but that the works of God should be made manifest. So Jesus, who is the light of the world, is bringing light to a dark situation. Don't we feel better when daylight comes? Don't we sleep better with a little light or a night light? Don't we feel safer when we're driving with our lights on in darkness? Jesus shows us that he is the light of the world and declaring, I am the light of the world. Showing to them, just because it has been done like this before, or tradition has told you that these are the things, he said, I'm here to shed some light on the situation. No, this has happened so that God can be magnified. Another obstacle in hindering people in true worship, not because, not only because of ritual, well, we do it this way, we clap our hands this way, we say amen this way, but another obstacle is lack of faith. Having doubt. Jesus making a change in his man's life led others to be amazed at seeing him, that they did not recognize him, for he was not in the same condition they last saw him. Saying, is that him, or that's someone like him, or maybe it's somebody else, but he had to correct them, seeing their doubts, seeing their misbelief, saying, hello, I am he. When people have doubt, uh, they are unable to believe that something miraculous, something amazing is able to come. They don't think that Jesus is able to change a condition. They don't think that Jesus can cure our bodies. He can change our souls. But those who believe know so that realize that when people look at you, find out something's different in you, they're amazed, say, what happened? You could let them know, I'm still the same person, but Jesus changed me. So this brings them 
in their doubt. Catch this. Not only did their doubt and the ritual have them hung up about having, because the ritual, look at who the ritual got, his disciples. Jesus' disciples said, hey, what happened to him? Who sinned? Their, their tradition had them all locked up that this has to be the condition. This has to be the way. But Jesus gave them a new train of thought, says, no, 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 that's not it. Then those who doubted what has happened see evidence on the contrary, can't not believe it. So therefore, we got to go get some confirmation from somebody else. Another problem I want you to realize that when other people don't believe you, they will get other people just like them. They won't believe you. They're not going to try to prove your case. They're going to try to prove their case. And look what they did. It says, we don't believe you, so we're going to go get the Pharisees. The Pharisees looked at him saying, we don't believe you. Same way. First of all, check it out. They said, I don't believe he's the same kid. So let's go ask his mama and his dad. Another obstacle that comes out from the mother and the father is peer pressure. Another obstacle from us giving God true worship that we don't want other people to look at us and say that he's a worshiper or she's a worshiper. We don't want them to look at us with a negativity because a worshiper is someone who may be soft, someone who's whimsical, those who don't stand for anything. But yet again, just like this young man, I'd rather be put out and be in better company than those who don't believe in me. They come to the parent. The parents looked at them with their peer pressure upon them, saying he's of age, ask him, because they realize if I say something, they might kick me out. The psalmist wrote, even when my mother and my father forsake me, the Lord will take me in. <laughs> mother and father forsake the boy, left him on his own, said, nah, we can't help him out, boy, you on your own. Go ask him for him. So he's of his age. So now, look at clearly here, look at here clearly. Now the young man who has been blind from birth, obviously his hearing was still doing good. Because he was able to hear about the truth of God. And hearing the truth of God, he kept track of the miracles. My mind imagination could be like this. It says, I heard him raise up a dead man. Elijah did that. I heard him hear leprosy, but I haven't heard him heal anybody born blind. <laughs> so I know in his mind's eyes, like say, Lord, I, I, I wish I could have heard something about someone. Because look how he recanted to them. He says, we know that never in history. Has anybody been born blind, having given sight? So he must be. I've come to the conclusion he must be a prophet. Oh, they're still full of doubt, full of doubt, full of doubt. Not able. Look how they come to him. Give praise to God. Our modern vernacular, we might say, tell the truth and shame the devil. And they come to him to put him on trial, said, give praise to God. Surely this man be a sinner. If he's a sinner, I do not know. But what I do know, I was blind. But now I see. We know we like that leg, don't we? Because we say that in amazing grace. <laughs> he realized that my condition has changed. So something amazing has happened. Amazing grace. And yet they look at him and saying that, that this must not be amazing. He says, this amazing thing has happened to me. and You don't know who he is? You're supposed to be educated. You're supposed to be smart. But let, look how he teaches him. And we know. He says, how he says, we know. He tells them, we know God does not listen to sinners. Pinpoint there for those who want to argue against that statement saying God does not listen to sinners. The argument here is not that God does not listen to sinners. It's the argument is here that sinners are not doing the will of God. 
what he's pointing out to us here is that a sinner would not be looking to give God glory and honor about healing the blind. A sinner will be concerned about doing what the flesh wants. But those who are righteous look to do right things. And so he's pointing out that, yes, God does hear a sinner prayer. A sinner prayer, we call it that. When you confess and profess and repent, he does hear that. But the wicked who are crying out for God for their own sake, he does not listen to them. They will pay. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So he's pointing out to them that this man must be a devout, a godly, a worshiper of God. For God clearly heard his cry, and he's done something that's never been done before. And so when they look at the obstacles that were before him, and now to look at the evidence laid out before him, they were unable because of their doubt, because of their tradition, and because of their misbelief and disbelief that Jesus was the Messiah, they kicked him out. But yet look closely here to the text. He pointed out to them that a worshiper of God. You see that there? New Living says that ever since, ever since the... I'm sorry, verse 31, we know that the God does not listen to the sinners, but he's ready to hear those who worship him and what? Do his will. A true worshiper is looking to do the will of God. Samuel had a tea stat to Saul, tell him obedience is better than sacrifice. If you can help me preach it, just tell your neighbor obedience is better than sacrifice. It's better to do the will of God than try to make it up later with a sacrifice. We live in a world today where people say it's better, it's, it's easier to ask, uh, you know, it's easier to ask for what I'm sorry or forgiveness than ask for permission because we live in a world, but that's not what God asks. God would rather you be obedient than you're going to have to apologize. When we do his will, it works out. But yet he's pointing out to look at our Jesus. Do we not know Jesus was looking to do the Father's will? In the garden it says, Lord, not my will be done, but thy will be done. He reminded them, says, I only do what the Father has told me to do. And if I do not do the works he has called me, then don't believe me, I only hear, I only speak of what I hear from my Father. And then he set the standard for us from the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit will hear from God and speak to you. And show to us that if we truly want to look, am I a true worshiper? Am I doing the will of God? Looking at the obstacle that hinders from doing the will of God is peer pressure. Everybody else is not doing the will of God, so why should I? Peer pressure gets unto us. I don't want anybody to look at me differently because I worship him. And I sit in my cubicle. I sit at my desk and I don't get caught up in the gossip. But no, instead I look how I can build up and lift up one another with truth and honesty. Seeing how this man was a true worshiper looking to do the will of God and they were not looking to do the will of God, we get to the crux. The man who spoke of what he knows not and and look at it, the man spoke of what he knows and did not speak on what he did not know. He knows that he was blind and now he sees. But they were still not believing. They asked him how. He points out to them that you don't believe me, so why would you believe me if I tell you again? Do you want to be his disciples? And now he's getting sassy with them. 
Because they already got sassy with Jesus. We're not, we're disciples of Moses. Jesus will let them know that you're not a disciple of Moses. They get mad at him saying, we're, we are sons of Abraham. We've never been slaves. He says, you're not sons of Abraham. You're sons of the devil. Jesus has already confronted them and told them, look how this man who was born blind but knows the word and speaks truth to them, not worried about being kicked out. And so this statement stings them. And so therefore they kick him out. He shows us that Jesus sees that he's kicked out. Y'all see that there? Verse 33, when Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked. What I like about it, Son, is that Jesus is looking for a true worshiper. God is looking for a true worshiper. God is looking for those who seek after him. And those who seek after him, he seeks after. Draw nigh unto him, and he will draw nigh unto you. This man is looking to find Jesus, so Jesus finds him. And look, when he finds him, he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, who is he? Jesus said, you have seen him, and he's speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. What happened here that when he realized who, made, who, who made, gave him sight, it says that he basically, this word worship does not do justice to what actually happened, means to he bowed down before him. True worship is a is a inward is a is an outward expression of our inward position. True worship means that I am humbly submissive to the Lord God Almighty. True worship will not hinder me in being submissive because when I surrender one to another, I'm surrendering to Christ. True worship means that I am willing to be last because He is first. True worship is realized, I don't care how they look at me, but Lord, because of who you are, I have no choice but to bow down in your presence. That's true worship. God is looking for our hearts to be in a position that we stay low before him. I read an example of a story about a mother putting a child in time out. And the child was in timeout because he was not being obedient. But he says, I'm sitting down in this chair, but inside I'm standing up. And how true it is in our lives that we might come in here and we're worshiping God, we're waving our hands, but inside we're not, we're not even bowed down to him. We are still prideful. God is looking for a sincere heart. He's looking for a time for us to worship him in spirit and in truth. We need to realize that we should no longer be walking around blind, but say, Lord, I have sight because you clearly show me the errors of my ways. Now is the time for us to truly say, Lord, how can I truly worship you? Well, if you look at the obstacles that you can see, if you are doing the opposite of those obstacles that you need to worship him, what can, how can you worship him? You must have faith. It is impossible. It is impossible without faith to please God. Why is it impossible? Because if you have faith in God, you earnestly seek after him. And those who earnestly seek after him believe that he is. Check out Hebrews 11 and 6. 
With, without faith, it's impossible to be God because one must believe that he is and earns to seek after him. And look what happens when you seek after him. You seek after his will. We can make it simplistic. Just think about those who you like. Those who you like, you look to do things that make them happy. If a friend likes something, you buy them a gift of what they like because you want to make them happy. So you do things to make them happy. Well, God has made it clear. He shows us what he likes. He loves love. He loves mercy. He loves grace. He loves gentleness. He loves kindness. He loves unselfishness. He loves lifting up. He loves encouragement. So these are the checklists that we need to have on our lives daily saying, Lord, am I doing your will? The song, the choir, we used to sing, what if God is unhappy with our praise? What if he is unhappy with the way we live? We must change the way we walk. We must change the way we talk. What if God is unhappy with our praise? We need to look and say, Lord, I want to give you true worship. And true worship means I will consistently and every day bow down before you. And when I bow down before you, it may not always be in the physical, but definitely my heart will always be in that position. That, Lord, I will look to lift up others before I lift myself up. I'm going to close with this last illustration about true worship. In Ephesians 5th chapter, we know verse 22, wives submit to your husbands. But we forget to go back early when it says that we ought to submit one to another. As this is showing obedience to Christ Jesus. And when we learn that submissive, submissiveness behavior is not an act of one who is less or weaker than, but an act of praise and worship, it changes the whole perspective. I am happy. I am happy to serve who I love. I am happy to get dirty for who I love. I am happy to suffer for who I love. I am happy to go through pain for who I love. Do we not see that in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? For he so loved the world that he gave his life, his blood. He suffered pain for us. We were rejected I'm sorry, yeah, we, yeah, 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 he was rejected so we could be accepted. He was condemned. He was condemned so we can forever know salvation. He took all that for us just so that we can know him. And now that we know him, we should show him our worship. And our worship would be in our obedience unto him that, Lord, it's, it's good to be submissive. And that way when we sing the song, I surrender all, all to Jesus, we say, Lord, we give it all to you. Because it what? It all belongs to you. Let's pause for a moment of prayer. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Lord, we come to you right now, God. Realizing, Lord, that we too, we too are grateful that you can give us sight. And Lord, we pray that you reveal to us, as just as you revealed to that young man, that, that we fully know who you are and that we worship you. That, Father, Lord, we seek to do your will. We seek to honor you in, in, in everything that we do. That, Lord, no matter peer pressure, no matter those who doubt us, Lord, we will stand on your word and be known as a worshiper. 
That when people look at us and say, no, that's a godly woman. That's a godly man. That's a worshiper of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, may that be our seal. May that be our sign. Forever keep our hearts towards you, God, that we will honor you and worship you. And all that we say and that we do. And the Lord, I pray right now that, Lord, as you are convicting us right now through your word, that, Father, Lord, we do repent for the times we did not worship you in our relationships towards one another. That, Father, we've been proud of, Lord, not being submissive. We've been arrogant, almighty God, and not been gentle. But, Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you've not given up on us, that your grace and your mercy is sufficient. And so, Father, we thank you for your redemption and your forgiveness. Now, Father, Lord, as we continue on in this service, Almighty God, there might be someone here who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior.